Good morning, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmaker's Corner, and good afternoon or good night, depending on when you're listening to this. I am your co-host, Cody Stoffer, and we will also have Simon Villianos featured on the episode in some segments, and actually he's going to introduce us into this episode by talking about the one middle school game that he attended. First things first, I just wanted to address some stats that he didn't quite get to in his summary by talking about DJ Bordeaux, who is the quarterback for the Aurora Spartans. And we got these numbers from somebody who's a parent on the team who watched the film and said that DJ was roughly 16 of 31 for around 200 yards passing and 80 yards on the ground with one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, and two interceptions. These interceptions both came kind of at the end of the game when he was trying to do a bit too much, you know, trying to lead a comeback win, including on the last play of the game that was a Hail Mary, essentially. So read into that however you will. And then you also had their quarterback from last week, Tanner, who had seven catches for over 100 rushing yards. There was a 70-yard touchdown called back that was a run when the referees said that DJ stepped out of bounds that came with some disagreement and controversy from the sidelines. But other than that, I believe that Simon will be able to fill you in on the rest. Take it away, Simon. All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. My name is Simon Villanos, and I went to the only middle school game for this week, and we will be going to more, obviously, between the Junior Buffs or Spartans. Uh, I know we have a Littleton team and a team in Colorado Springs that actually reached out to us as well, and so whenever we can... We'll hope to go ahead and, uh, you know, pay them a visit and put on some of the young talent here in Colorado. But I'm going to talk about the middle school game that I went to uh, real quick here. And so in this matchup, you have the Aurora Spartans facing off with the Spartans Chrome here. And you know what? This game kind of started a little bit slow here. Both sides were struggling a little bit at halftime. It was a pretty close game. I want to say it was maybe a one-score game. But uh, real quick in the first, let me talk about that real quick. So number 26 for the Aurora Spartans uh, was kind of balling out. Had some good defense and plays here and there in the first quarter. He had a huge tackle for loss on second down. And then... On third down, he had great coverage on this receiver. I want to say it was like a little out route or swing route or something like that, but he had him covered up and tackled him for like maybe a one-yard gain. And so he came out to play, did a really good job there. Uh, In the second quarter, the quarterback for the Aurora Spartans, our guy, Deidre Bordeaux, unfortunately threw a pick. I wouldn't necessarily say it was his fault, though. Uh, Ball was on the money and whatnot, but it was more of a drop uh, by number 10, the receiver Juice, you know, and uh, altogether, a lot of the skill players on this Aurora Spartans team kind of struggled. It was just an off day, you know, he had a lot of drops, he had a good amount of drops, almost, it felt like almost every other drive, there were at least one or two, and so it was just kind of hard to get going to get started and whatnot, and so unfortunately, that dropped uh, pass ended up being an interception, you know. And on the same drive, uh, there was a missed pass as well. Uh, it it just it was just miscommunication, you know. But before that, DJ was finding Tanner. We talked about him last week a good number of times, and he made some really good plays in that first half there. 
uh, going into, you know, later into this game, I want to say the third quarter, uh, number 10 Juice, he kind of redeemed himself, had a really nice 80-yard touchdown return. Unfortunately, it was called back because, because of a block in the back call, which I... <laughs> I don't know if it was actually blocking the back. I felt like they called that a lot on a lot of returns here. Not only in this game, but in previous games. So, you know, do with uh, what you will with that one. So, there you go. Um, but it's all good. The Aurora Spartans eventually scored. Um, this drive was really ignited by this huge play from DJ Bordeaux to Tanner, uh, wide receiver number 15. And that eventually set up a rushing touchdown by the quarterback, DJ Bordeaux, making it 6-13 to at half. They didn't get the extra point there. And so it was a pretty close game, you know. And then going into the third quarter, there were more struggles, you know. Defensively, they had trouble stopping the ball. Uh, on offense, they just couldn't get clicking. A lot more dropped passes and, you know, some misfires in there as well. But, you know, it was still a winnable game for this Aurora Spartans team, I would say. I want to say it was either really early in the fourth or happened right at the end of the third, but the Spartans got another really big break. Spartans Chrome, the other team, would kick an onside kick, and, you know, they'd field it really well. I don't know who caught it, but whoever caught it, you know, it was a great heads-up play, caught the ball, tried to hit that outside, and then there was a huge block. I want to say it was either number 25 or number 26 that set that block, but it freed that person, the returner, for a really nice return, um, setting them up inside the 30, I want to say, and then from there, DJ would uh, get a 30-yard touchdown throw, plus a run to, you know, get the extra point as well. That 30-yard touchdown throw was number 14, making it a manageable 27-14 to game going into the fourth. That's really only two Two scores and then unfortunately in the fourth quarter they just couldn't get it done a couple miscues here and there I'm not going to talk about that too much here but you know it is a middle school team and so their success could be <laughs> super up and down I've coached middle school before so I know how that goes but you know honestly the score doesn't really give them justice for how close this game was through a, the majority of the game to be honest with you you know the Aurora Spartans ended up losing 35 to 14 which I mean if you ask me get a two maybe three good drives in there where you score that's a different game obviously right but unfortunately this time around they couldn't get it done it's only their third game of the season still have like five or six more and so we'll be looking forward to covering more of that seeing how they bounce back because this is a young team with a lot of good players who will go on and play on that next level and contribute and so this is part of maturing and learning at, with this game honestly and so super excited for that and uh yeah that'll wrap up this middle school segment here Thank you so much, Simon. And now we are going to jump into our 1A football. There wasn't a lot of super notable games here this week, but definitely some things to talk about looking forward into the future. Starting on Thursday, Flatirons Academy beat Denver West 35-12 with Nolan Shepard being responsible for three touchdowns with two rushing and one in the air. Then on Friday, you had some bigger names here. You had Lyman versus Bennett. Lyman took care of business, winning 46-0, as we kind of expect them to. And that was behind four different players getting rushing touchdowns, including Kai Bandy, who had two, and Gabe Schubarth, who is a junior, 
also having two. And they ran for 306 yards on basically 30 carries, averaging just over 10 yards per carry. They also had one passing touchdown from Trey Hines, who went for three of five on the day. And on the defensive side of the ball, they had 13, yes, you heard it here, 13 tackles for loss, including Kai Bandy being responsible for five tackles for loss. So that was a very large win for Lyman and obviously a very notable player in Kai Bandy making his impact felt on both sides of the football. Then you had Centauri versus Strasburg. In case you didn't hear the recap from last week, Landon Martin is out for the foreseeable future. And so Centauri took care of business being one of the heavyweights here. I was not able to see any stats, but I can assume that Mason Clonch had a big part of this 48-3 win against Strasburg. Then also on Friday, we had Buena Vista versus Peyton. This is one of Buena Vista's closer games of the year. They won 21-8 to improve to 4-0. So a lot of these teams you notice that we're talking about are contenders and the ones who are undefeated. But also on Friday, we had one of the most competitive games on the 1A level and one to listen for with Yuma versus Highland. Yuma was able to pull out this win 28-21 behind the running styles of Clay Robinson and Yahir Trejo. Clay Robinson is a senior quarterback who ran 20 times for 204 yards and two scores. And also in that Yuma backfield, you had Yahir Trejo, who had 27 carries for 130 yards and two scores, while adding another eight tackles on defense, including two for loss. So Yuma will improve to 2-1 and one on this season, with their only loss being a really close one to Strasburg. So a potential playoff team for sure out there in Yuma. Then on Saturday, we had some interesting matchups, honestly. We had Banning Lewis Academy versus Prospect Ridge Academy. Banning Lewis went 2-1 and one this Saturday after beating Prospect Ridge 32-0. And since playing Buena Vista, their defense has stepped up dramatically, having only allowed 6 points since allowing 48 in that home opener. So that is... Definitely something to look out for on this Banning Lewis Academy team. And Simon talked about it in that recap that this was definitely the exception and not the, you know, not the standard for Banning Lewis Academy. And last but not least, in arguably the biggest 1A football game of the week, you had Florence High School versus Holyoke High School. And man, Florence came out to play, ending this game on a 22-0 run in the second half and thus they won 36 to 15 after originally being down by one point heading into half this was one of the best team efforts in a win that i have seen in a very long time there were multiple people taking turns making plays on offense you had the quarterback levi paxton run for two touchdowns you also had gian aguilar i believe is how you say his name gian aguilar who, you know, kind of put this game away with a 21-yard rushing touchdown and kind of put the nail in Holyoke's coffin here. And on top of that, you also had a great performance from defense and special teams. You had Jacob Kennedy, who recovered a fumble and returned it to the house. And he also added on another 72 yards on offense uh, in the rushing category. You also had two sacks on defense as well as three pressures from a variety of players you had a kickoff return for a touchdown from logan botger so overall what a team effort here from 
Florence as they move on to 4-0 and ultimately, you know, four different players scored touchdowns and they scored offensively, they scored defensively, and they scored special teams. This is a very complete team and this is a very good win against a Holyoke team that has the Sprague brothers who, you know, they made some noise this game and in the red zone, they're very hard to stop and, you know, Florence was able to kind of really put the clamps down on this Holyoke team after, you know, kind of a slower start from both teams to start this game. So, but that was arguably the biggest game of the week in 1A here. So, and stay tuned for the end of the episode to listen on who I think is the 1A player of the week. But following that, we are going to jump into 2A here. There's also not too, too much to talk about here. But on the Thursday games... Inglewood got their first win against Littleton High School, who is a 3A program, 19-14. Inglewood is a very young team. They've started a handful of freshmen this year, and, you know, they're finally able to get into the win column. I believe that they have one win, two losses, and a tie, actually, on this season. So, a very interesting record. But, moving on to Friday's games, you had one of our contenders in the Classical Academy facing off against Elizabeth, who I believe was 2-1 heading into this game. But TCA did not care as they romped Elizabeth 42-12 with three different players getting rushing touchdowns, including Cade Palmer, who ran for a game-high 173 yards on 11 carries. Sam Gaez also had a pretty good game, or Guy... Gaez, I forget how Simon said it. Simon's the TCA guy, so forgive me. But anyways, you know, he threw two touchdowns and no interceptions this week, which is what you want to see out of your quarterback. We know that turnovers have been a bit of a problem for him in the past, so him being able to not turn the ball over against a team like Elizabeth is great news for their title contending hopes. And yeah, that was, this game wasn't very close, but we like to talk about the teams who, you know, we deemed as contenders you also had Eaton take care of business against Platte Valley you know they move on to 3-0 and they were our pick to actually win all of 2A this year and they're still looking very strong here they are number one on the 2A level ranked wise now their quarterback Walker Martin did struggle quite a bit in this game against Platte Valley he went 4-14 of with two TDs and two interceptions but that didn't really matter when Ethan Flores took care of business in the backfield, toting the ball 14 times for 77 yards and also getting uh, another guy in there and Ryan Dirksen who carried the ball six times for 60 yards and a score. So, you know, and their defense was really the story of this game. They had 14 tackles for loss, including junior Morgan Trebet, who had five tackles for loss and Ryan Dirksen once again on the defensive side of the ball adding another four tackles for loss. They forced an interception. They were getting sacks. They were forcing fumbles. There is basically nothing that this defense couldn't do to this Platte Valley offense. So when you have a defense like that, well, if you've been around football, you know the saying, defense wins championships, and Eaton is looking to especially prove that this year. I also wanted to shout out my boys out there in Bayfield, who got a win against Aztec, 46-25, behind monster performances in Kale Schaefer and Deegan Barnes, both getting it done on both sides of the ball. Kale Schaefer, he had 12 carries for 164 yards and four rushing touchdowns, 
while adding a sack on defense. And Deegan Barnes caught for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, and added two interceptions on defense. So that was quite the performance. And they have a very massive game coming up against Centauri. But Bayfield is definitely starting to pull away as a potential favorite in that Southwest Conference. If you have not heard my preview for that, please make sure to give it a listen. As for the biggest game, in my opinion, on Friday, and in all of the 2A, actually, you had Basalt versus Glenwood Springs. Glenwood Springs being a 3A football program, and Basalt being one of the most revered 2A programs for us. And they showed exactly why they are one of the best around in Colorado after beating Glenwood Springs, a very solid 3A program, 34-14. Now, this game was super competitive, especially heading into half. The score was only 14-7. And even entering the fourth, the score was 21-14 before Basalt took over and put this game away. They were able to secure a dub behind a very strong performance by Cade Schneider, their quarterback, who ran for one touchdown and threw another three touchdowns to only one interception, going 11 of 18 for 248 yards and a 61% completion percentage, as well as Sam Sherry, their you know go-to guy on offense and defense on offense. He had three carries for 61 yards, including a 50-yard touchdown run, as well as getting two receptions for 42 yards and no scores, but over 100 yards of total offense. Wilson Matham had three receptions for 96 yards and two touchdowns at receiver being Cade Schneider's kind of go-to guy, as well as Jamie Dolan, who also had three receptions of his own. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Sam Sherry once again making his mark felt with 14 tackles, including one for loss, as well as sophomore Dombrowski, who had eight tackles and a tackle for loss, and senior, senior Ryan Jang, who had four tackles and two for loss. So overall, this is a very well-played game. There's only one interception thrown the entire time, and that was picked off by Ethan Fergan on Glenwood's spring side. And, you know, Glenwood, I would say that they just they weren't getting the looks that they wanted to in the run game. I think a huge part of that obviously comes down to Sam Sherry and this basalt front line and front seven in general. We talked about how solid that they were going to be heading into the season on the 2A preview, and I think that they showed it against a very good Glenwood Springs team who has Sandoval over there at quarterback and can get it done on the ground as well as Marcus Aragon. You know, these are this is a really good football team and a very good win. If you're Basalt High School who, you know, showed up on defense more than anything and then played opportunistic offense, I'd say, you know, Glenwood Springs, I wouldn't say that their season's over. This is a very good 2A program to lose to. One of the only ones that I think that you can be okay and confident about the rest of your season losing to, if I got to be completely honest. And so, you know, Glenwood Springs, they got to, you know, kind of buckle down. They were on a bit of a roll before this Basalt game. And Basalt has just got to keep rolling. You know, I'm pretty sure this puts them to 4-0 on the season. As a matter of fact, it does. And they've had some very tough games. And, you know, they are looking to start to run away with the league. They actually head into league play this week against Moffitt County. So stay tuned for the rest of Basalt season and their league play. But 
that will be it on the 2A level. I didn't see any Saturday games that I thought were of particular note. So without further ado, let's jump into this very brief 3A section here. Like I said, there's not really a lot to talk about on this 3A level. You had on Thursday, Roosevelt beat Harrison 63-0. I could read you the box score, but honestly, it does not. It matters so little because, I mean, God, 63 to nothing. Like, what are you doing, Harrison? So, Harrison, by the way, I'm going to stick a fork in them. They're obviously not who we thought they were. Their line is as good as it gets, and other than that, they do not have a lot of skill outside of that on either side of the ball. So, stick a fork in them. I would be very surprised if they even made playoffs, much less won a game. So, that's kind of where I'm at on the Harrison train. But anyways, on Friday, you know, you had another Mead-dominating performance beating Northridge. 42 to 0. So, you know, at the end of the day, while Northridge may run it against Greeley teams, they will not run Meade's fade. You know, you had Gavin Gerritsen with another strong performance, three touchdowns to one interception. You had Evan Morris put on a pretty good rushing game here, nine carries for 64 yards and two scores. And Corby Teku, who I believe was our player of the week last week on the 3A level with another 100 plus yard performance through the air and ground or through receiving and the ground I should say and then on the defensive side of the ball they pitched a shutout and that's kind of all you need to know about this game and moving on to some of the other blowouts that happened on this Friday night you had Durango drop their second game in a row this time to a Farmington team out of New Mexico they lost 38 to 17 which, you know, Durango, after starting off 2-0, has dropped a couple of games in a row. And this partially comes down to Tyler Harms here, their sophomore quarterback who threw three interceptions and only one touchdown. So they just have not been able to produce through the air as much recently. And it's coming back to bite them in the tail pretty hard. And so, you know, that's kind of where Durango's at. They definitely have some question marks heading into the rest of the season, and they kind of got to get it figured out. You know, they have a game against uh, Piedra Vista coming up, and then they have league play, you know, where you're going to have some good teams like Discovery Canyon and Sand Creek kind of waiting for you. And they think that you're vulnerable right now after losing two consecutive games in a row, including a blowout loss to Montrose. So we'll see how Durango recovers and if they recover. I should say. But anyways, also on Thursday, you had Fort Morgan versus Conifer High School. Fort Morgan moved to 3-0 and put Conifer to 2-2. Briggs Wheatley had a heck of a game, going 12-12 for 12 through the air with a passing touchdown and running for another four touchdowns, being responsible for all but one touchdown in which Frank Ortega had a pick six. So this Fort Morgan team, you know, they just rolled over a fairly competitive Conifer team. And I think that that makes them, you know, a very dangerous threat here in this 3A level of football and exactly why they were one of our picks to make a deep run and contend in the playoffs, especially with Briggs Wheatley at quarterback. And our closest game of Friday night on the 3A level that's worth talking about, you had the Eagle Valley Devils beat the University Bulldogs. 38 to 30. 
This game was very back and forth. You had Eagle Valley jump out to a 22-6 lead to begin the game before University had a 16-point comeback and a scoreless fourth quarter sent us into overtime. In the first overtime, they both came away with eight points, and it was in the second overtime where Eagle Valley was able to hold University out of the end zone and secure the win. I don't think that this is necessarily the end of the road for either of these teams, but it is certainly, you know, a notable game and one that I don't think University probably should have lost. This is, you know, they were at home and this was definitely an upset game here. So congrats to Eagle Valley, who now improves to 3-0 on the season with notable wins against Thomas Jefferson in overtime and now University. So they took their conditioning very seriously in the offseason. And, you know, I think that makes them a serious threat. And this puts University to 3-1, losing their first game of the season before facing a very tough severance team coming up here. So that was our our Friday games on the 3A level. And there was only one Saturday game that I thought was worth talking about, and that was Kennedy High School versus Summit. We were able to make it out to their playoff game last year, if you don't remember. And Isaac Cisneros is one of the best quarterbacks in the state as a junior. You know, he had two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. He is defining consistency. I believe that his ratio of touchdowns to picks is 13-3 to right now, and he has another four or so on the ground and then you also had Josiah Garcia in this game he had four receptions for 97 yards as well as a pick six so you know he was responsible for 12 points himself and Kennedy got it done 35 to 22 against Summit to improve to a two and two record and I don't know what that puts Summit at but that is our 3a football segment here Make sure to stay tuned for the end of the episode where I talk about some of these guys, you know, your Josiah Garcia's, Isaac Cisneros's, Briggs Wheatley's, and those kind of guys to see who will win our 3A Player of the Week. And on the 2A level, you know, there's a couple of names as far as Kate Schneider, Sam Sherry, Kale Schaefer, Deegan Barnes. There's a lot to look through to see who's going to win our Players of the Week. Coming up next, quickly after the break, we are going to talk 4A and 5A football. And then on our last segment, we are going to talk preview for this upcoming week. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We are going to be talking 4A football here on this segment. I'm going to start off with talking about the Aurora Central versus Adam City game. Aurora Central improved to 3 and 1 after winning 28 to 13 and this came on big games of Trevin Simmons and Kyrie Kirby who had over 250 rushing yards and two touchdowns between the two of them as well as one of our contenders on the 4A level in Pine Creek took care of business against Discovery Canyon. They won 45 to 7 and Jojo Roy put in a significant claim to be the 4A player of the week, going 7 for 8 for 207 yards, two touchdowns to the air and another three on the ground. In this game, you know, Pine Creek showed their versatility. They had seven different receivers catch passes. You also had Ramon Pacheco with an interception and a pass deflection on the defensive side of the ball. 
and that put Pine Creek at a very strong 4-0 following, you know, major wins against other programs such as Vista Ridge, and it puts Discovery Canyon down to 2-2, two two. Pine Creek being one of the strongest teams in all of Colorado right now. They are on a very strong track to continue to dominate, dominate this season, and, you know, looking at the rest of their schedule, they will continue to be challenged. However, you know, I think that falling wins against some very good teams that there's a lot to be excited about. But they will be tested as they go to Jeffco Stadium on Friday to face off against Chatfield, who is also 4-0. And then they get into their league play here against Legend, Douglas County, Chaparral, Regis, Jesuit, and Doherty in a very competitive league here for Pine Creek. So stay tuned for those boys and see how they do. Speaking of other Thursday games, including a very heavyweight matchup, you had Skyline and Silver Creek, and I'm going to pass it back to Simon so that he can fill you in on exactly how they did. All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back. I am one of your hosts, Simon Villanos, and I'm going to talk about this 4A matchup, our game of the week. It was 3-0 Silver Creek versus 2-1 Skyline, the battle for Logmont. You know, these two teams are some of the better teams here in Logmont, and so at this point, really, it was just a battle for a lot of things. I know you have, um, you know, Logmont High School in there led by Keegan Patterson, but obviously Silver Creek and Skyline going in had the best records out of all the Logmont High School teams. Uh, at least I believe they did, and so this was a huge matchup. This was going to be a fun one and so let's go ahead and dive into it uh to start off the game not even go a lot it was a pretty slow game you had some miscues here silver creek obviously they wanted to pass the ball and you know you could see that with the play calling they had there were a couple calls there where they called three straight pass plays and they're a good pass plays but either the quarterback bryce score was just a little bit off and was misfiring i know there was a I want to say it was either a, a slant or a post, something like that, where he just overthrew it badly. And then there are a couple other times where I believe he was trying to hit an out route and the receiver wasn't ready for some reason. I don't know why, but they dropped it. And so there are a couple drops here. So Silver Creek, you know, they really wanted to pass the ball to start, you know, but they just couldn't get it going. And in fact, I believe they had three straight drives where the passing game obviously wasn't clicking, but they had to punt the ball. And I believe these were three and outs as well. Uh, these three straight drives were all in the first quarter. Uh, with Skyline, though, they kind of had a different approach, you know. They kind of have that spread look with four wide receivers out or some variation of that, you know. They'll motion some players in and out into the tight end position or outside, out wide and whatnot. And so they'll give you a couple looks there. But for the most part, they wanted to run the ball with their senior running back, uh, Win Drews, I believe is how you say it, number one. And, you know, he was probably one of the MVPs of this game, if I'm being completely honest with you he played very well and they skyline really relied on him to you know take the burden of this offensive load now i don't know if they meant to um you know to do that the entire game but you know i'll, I'll talk about that later here though Regardless, they were trying to run it out of shotgun with a lot of dives, a lot of read options. I believe there was maybe... 
a jet sweep, one or two plays called here and there, but you know, this Silver Creek defense is really good and they're flying to the ball, and so they were shutting that down. A lot of the success that Skyline was getting on offense, at least early on, was just running the ball right up the middle, you know, and just playing physical football. And so they were obviously trying to set up the pass. I, you, I think you could see that. They were also trying to set up the run with their quarterback, uh, Logan Miller. He has been running the ball a lot. Part of that, I could imagine, is because he hasn't been in this offense uh, for as long as the coaching staff would probably like, and so they're not passing it as much with Logan as they used to do it with their quarterback from last year, Chase Silva, who was a stud that could obviously throw it and pass it, and so... They, they were kind of going the very safe route here to get it started. I think the play that really kind of started opening things up happened at the four minute, four second mark in the first quarter. And so, you know, they've been setting up the run. I believe this was third down. It was kind of third and long. There are some penalties in there. And so what they had um, or what they called is that they had Logan Miller basically just sprint out right looking for... I don't know. I don't know if they were trying to have him sell the pass or the run, but it looked a lot like he was trying to sell the run. But he sprinted all the way right, almost to the other side of the field, and then just flipped his hips, uh, threw a dump off pass to um, his running back, Wynn Drews, who was waiting on the other side of the field. He had like five or six blockers ahead of him, plus open space because he got the majority. Um, the quarterback, Logan Miller, did. He got the majority of the Silver Creek defense to bite and pursue him. And so uh, his running back had a lot of free space. And so that ended up being a really nice, roughly 20-yard-ish pass, I would say. And then that would eventually set up a field goal for Skyline, making it 3-0, to kind of in this defensive struggle to start out. So to end the first quarter, I would definitely say both teams were kind of feeling each other out. Silver Creek, I would say, knew what they wanted to do. They wanted to throw the ball. Skyline was the opposite. I feel like they were trying to set up a lot of things here and there, but it just wasn't quite working it out. Working out either in the pass game or in the, or in the run game. You know, maybe they're a little bit short here and there. And so two different approaches. I liked it though, but the quarter ended being. 3-0 Skyline leading going into the second quarter. The second quarter was, I would say, more of a defensive struggle. I think at this point, both offenses kind of was getting out those jitters and they were settling down into what they wanted to do. Silver Creek would actually force a really good fumble on uh, Skyline's quarterback, Logan Miller, but uh, it was a missed opportunity, a missed opportunity scoring off of a mistake because what would happen is that they had a very costly false start that kind of put them in a really like uh, like in a really bad like second or third and long situation and then on that second and long or third and long I can't remember to be honest with you um, they tried to throw the post Bryce Gore I he put it on the money it was a perfect throw to his receiver but it was just excellent one-on-one defense for Skyline and so they were able to stop um, able to stop that pass and force a punt. When Silver Creek attempted to punt the ball, though, uh, they muffed it. The punter, he kind of just, like, dropped the ball, and so he had to fall on it. And so what ended up happening is that Skyline 
took over on the 50 or 45. Um, kind of, you know, definitely a lot closer than where the punt would have landed if um, they didn't mess up that punt. And so they had a great opportunity to score. But Skyline, unfortunately, they got shut down by the Silver Creek defense. They forced a three and out. And then basically that was the end of the quarter there. Um, I know it's for Skyline, really. I mean, they were driving before their quarterback fumbled the ball. And so that kind of just killed all the momentum, you know. And so when they fumbled the ball to kind of start the third quarter or at the beginning of the third quarter that kind of just killed the vibes there and so allowed silver creek's defense to play really well i believe it played a part in them getting that three and out on the 50 yard line as well and so going into halftime it is 3-0 it is a defensive struggle at this point linebackers are flying on both sides to stop the run uh defensively you have some good defensive plays one-on-one in the passing game and so very much a close game going into this important third quarter here and you know what to start the third quarter there was a lot that happened there are a lot of things that happened that could have swung the game either way to be completely honest with you and so to start off the third quarter skyline got the ball and they were driving like on this drive they must have given their running back windrews the ball at least eight to ten straight times eight to ten straight times and he was you know he was popping them off for five yards 10 yards 15 yards another five yards like he was getting very good gains until they got to the 15 yard line you know uh silver creek just played excellent defense and they stood up on the end zone and you know uh skyline i kind of felt like they should have called a different play like maybe a read option or passing it but I think they wanted to feed the hot hand in their running back in Windrews. And so on fourth down, they went for it uh, with 15 yards to go until they got into the end zone. It was like fourth and one, fourth and two, something like that. And Silver Creek just straight up stuffed him. And so that was kind of a huge turning point, you know, because they stopped a lot of momentum. At this point, it's still 3-0. And they already stopped, you know, this skyline offense two straight times that were, you know, rolling at that point. And so... This was just absolutely huge. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, you know, Silver Creek tried to drive. They tried to hit, you know, on a huge deep pass. But Bryce score, it, I think the pass just kind of got away from him, honestly. And, you know, it was one-on-one coverage. The Skyline cornerback, he was able to honestly just track down the ball really well. He did a very good job just tracking down the ball. And he got an interception on the deep pass to kill another Silver Creek drive once again but silver creek would not go down so easily so that happened at the six minute 55 mark in the third quarter at the six minute for second mark in the same third quarter silver creek's number 50 uh first got a sack and then on third down they would force yet another fumble on uh number seven skylines quarterback logan miller to kind of set them up and so that was absolutely huge. At this point, they have the ball around the 50-yard line. And so Silver Creek puts together a really good drive, a combination of running plays, some good little passing plays here and there, some slants, some outs, you know, short plays, stuff like that. But they put together a great drive and go ahead and score a touchdown. Bryce score, uh, he found his receiver on a slant route. He found Tanner Stevens, sorry, on a slant route to put them up 7-3 to to end this third quarter. And that kind of felt like a momentum shift at that point. Going into the fourth, it was like, all right, whoever scores next will 
probably win this, you know, and Skyline, they're already down 7-3, to three, and so Skyline goes ahead and gets the ball to start off this fourth quarter, and you know what, they're driving, but they do find themselves in a third and long situation, I believe it was third and 15. And this is kind of the quarter where you saw Skyline begin to open up their playbook. I believe they meant to do it in the third quarter, but turnovers was a big deal there. First, you know, that turnover on downs and then that fumble, that kind of killed the vibes there. And so going into the fourth, they're like, all right, let's open this thing up. And so on third and 15, their quarterback, Logan Miller, would find wide receiver Bridwell. I believe he's probably related to Graydon Bridwell, uh, running back, a senior running back last year. But he founds he finds Bridwell on a huge pass. It's like a 20-yard pass. I want to say it's uh, I want to say it was up the middle or something like that. And so that conversion kind of bails Skyline out of another bad I, well, okay, I wouldn't say bad offensive drive, but another offensive drive that could have potentially stalled right there on 3rd and 15. And so that was huge, you know. And then Miller, uh, from then on, you know, he was passing the ball a little bit more. He finds Harris on another pass, and at this point, Skyline is driving at the 7-17 mark in the 4th quarter and then to kind of end off this drive Miller would end up running it himself actually into the touchdown as Skyline punches back and takes a 10-7 lead uh responding really well you know to this dominant third quarter that Silver Creek had and so you know like I said it's still a one score game any team could win at this point and so uh Skyline would go ahead and go on defense while Silver Creek takes over and you know Skyline's defense just stepped it up uh, they honestly just stepped it up all the way in this fourth quarter. They played excellent defense, and so while Sky or sorry, while Silver Creek was driving on third down, they would get a huge sack that would force some three and out on Silver Creek, and you know that was kind of a huge momentum shift at that point. Like, obviously, that touchdown pass was big in itself, but, you know, this defensive stop kind of just killed all the momentum that Silver Creek kind of had at that point. And so, you know, they would eventually punt it. And uh, at this point, you know, there's there's definitely a little bit of panic for Silver Creek, you know, because there's not a lot of time left. There's like... Ooh, when they turned over the ball, or sorry, when they got sacked on third down, there was five minutes left in the game, and so that was kind of tough there, but Skyline gets the ball with a chance to put away this game, and they would go ahead and do that, and so on this drive, quarterback Logan Miller has an excellent 20-yard run to get a first down on this run. You know, it was kind of wild. He spun out of a tackle. He stiff-armed a dude, and then he accelerated super fast up the sideline, uh, gave, you know, a dead leg to another player, and uh, what would end up happening is that he got a 20-yard gain, which was huge for this offense. And then right after that, running back Win Drews, you know, he's been pounding this defense all night. He finally gets loose and rips off a 40-yard touchdown, putting up skyline 17 to 7 at this point the skyline well really all night the skyline fans were going crazy both fans were going crazy honestly you know the skyline of uh, fans they were i would say there was definitely significantly less of them but you could you could hear them pretty well across the field and so they're going wild silver creeks fans are very quiet because it is 17 to 7 with like four minutes left in the game and so at this point silver creek needs to score immediately on this next drive and hopefully maybe you know get a three and out 
out of Skyline or kick the onside kick. But there's still hope here. There's still hope here. But what would happen? Silver Creek gets the ball, and Skyline gets another sack, setting up a really long third down. And then what would end up kind of closing up this game? Skyline would end up picking off senior quarterback Bryce Gore, I believe it was number nine, and and he just went ahead and daggered Silver Creek at this point, you know, uh, with that interception that basically puts away the game. Silver Creek would get one more chance to try to score at the minute 51 second mark in the fourth quarter, but number two, Trosper, would end up picking off Gore one more time to end this game for good, Skyline goes ahead and wins it 17-7 in a huge defensive effort in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, Skyline, um, they not only got two sacks and two interceptions in the fourth, but they also got two touchdowns in a great effort. Skyline definitely woke up in the fourth to go ahead and beat rival Silver Creek in a game where I feel like a lot of people had Silver Creek favored at this point because you saw what uh, Giselle Riley and Golden did to Skyline you know uh, last week I think a lot of people felt like Bryce Gore could go ahead and do that to Skyline as well and unfortunately for Bryce Gore um, I think he just didn't play a good game you know he had a couple interceptions a couple misfire in the fourth quarter he did miss a potentially long 70 yard touchdown throw uh, his wide receiver was open and he just overshot it by like five or ten yards and uh that's tough and then you know he did throw those two interceptions as well and so i don't think silver creek is overrated or anything like that i think they're gonna bounce back and i would like to see a potential uh meetup of silver creek and skyline in the playoffs that would be a really fun storyline to follow but to end this game, Skyline goes ahead and improves to 3-1 and drops Silver Creek to 3-1 as well on the backs of a great defensive effort by Skyline and a great effort from their running back, number one, Windrews. And thank you, Simon, for summarizing that game. And that wouldn't be the only game that Simon attended this weekend. On Friday, we actually made it out to the Dakota Ridge versus Rampart game that ended in a score of 42-2. We got to be honest, we were out of there when it got to 35 to nothing, just a little bit past halftime, but there wasn't a whole lot of news that we didn't already know. Dante Capolongo, one of the best athletes in the entire state of Colorado, had an interception in this game, and Noah Triplett put on a show with over 170 yards and three touchdowns. Dakota Ridge overall looked like exactly who we thought they were. It's just a real shame that they had to go against Rampart, who... You know, Simon and I don't really believe is, you know, a fair comparison for this Dakota Ridge team. We think that they're much better than that. And, you know, their defense was super dominant. They were flying all over the place and just bruising this Rampart team. So much to the point where Rampart still hasn't put in their offensive stats. And I don't think that they really want to because they turned the ball over Four times, you know, between three fumbles as well as the interception to Dante Capolungo. And, you know, they couldn't really get anything going through the air as Dakota Ridge had another six pass deflections outside of the interception. And then you also had, you know, just a great defensive line. And their linebackers on, you know, Dakota Ridge's team impressed me quite a bit. We paid a little bit of attention to their offensive line. And we will say that. 
it's it's coming along. You know, they have a lot of younger guys. They have a handful of juniors on that offensive line. And so there's a lot to be excited about for the next couple of years, I would say. And, you know, if we have to nitpick, I will say that Adam Graves kind of sputtered a little bit in this game against the Rampart team that I honestly don't think is very good on the secondary level or even that much on the linebacker level. They did have a number 52 on Rampart's side who is making plays, uh, Quentin Klitsch. You know, he forced an interception and I believe also had a, you know, couple tackles for loss and whatnot. So he had himself a pretty good game. But other than that, they don't really have a lot of dudes. And I think that Adam Graves should have done a bit more in this game. There were some passes that he definitely underthrew that were broken up or that, you know, his receiver had to make a bigger play on. I'll say like... I believe it was Connor Fitzhugh who had a, you know, 40 plus yard catch and he totally had to moss number eight on Rampart's team because it was so underthrown and shout out to Connor Fitzhugh for making an incredible play on the ball and, you know, slowing down to catch the ball. But also Adam Graves, you've got to put it in the right spot in that situation. And, you know, I think that's because a little bit earlier he threw it too far for his receiver to make a play down the right side. And then on this one, you know, he underthrew it. He was having fits of inconsistency throughout the game. Right before halftime, he actually threw two interceptions. And overall, I this was my first time seeing Adam Graves live. And I wasn't overly impressed. And I think that he's going to have to make some considerable leaps and bounds. You know, luckily for him... They have a lot of great athletes on this team. Noah Triplett is incredible out of the backfield. Their wide receiver core between Dante Capolungo and Connor Fitzhugh, as well as Connor Swanson and uh, Jacob Lafave. They have a lot of guys who can make plays. And, you know, I wouldn't even say that this was their best game. Dante had a big-time drop that would have went for a touchdown. They also had a 40-plus yard touchdown pass to Dante called back for... I believe it was like a holding or something like that. But, you know, this Dakota Ridge team didn't even play to the height of their capabilities and they still beat Rampart 42 to 2. And, you know, there's easily room for improvement, but there's definitely room for confidence, I would say, in this Dakota Ridge program as far as being one of the top contenders in the state of Colorado. So that was that game that we attended. I'll talk about some other games that we weren't able to make it to before wrapping up this foray with the game that we were able to make. So as far as other games, Vista Ridge had a bounce back game against Falcon, moving to 2-1 and one and winning 55-13. to Brayden Dorman looked a bit more like himself, going 18 of 29 for 300 yards and four touchdowns, as well as a rushing touchdown. And BB Hills continues to be one of the most explosive athletes in the state. You know, Simon talked about how B.B. Hills was giving Pine Creek fits last week in both the return and, you know, pass catching game. And, you know, he had another great game here, having eight receptions for 123 yards and three touchdowns. I believe that he had a visit to CU this past weekend. And so obviously, you know, I think that he would be a great fit for any D1 program, especially up there at CU. I think that he would be absolutely incredible and you know bb hills added another touchdown 
on a punt return. So he had a four touchdown game and obviously has a pretty strong case for 4A player of the week, as well as Noah Triplett in that last game. But, you know, Visceridge, they, they were supposed to beat Falcon in this game, and they definitely did with a very big statement win. In other parts of the state, Longmont had to play without Keegan Patterson, as well as a couple of other starters. We're unsure exactly of why that is, but it spelled very bad news as Erie destroyed Longmont 50-6, proving, you know, that they're up there with these other powerhouses. They're up there with the Dakota Ridges. They're up here with the Pine Creeks. They're up here with the Palmer Ridges. As far as, you know, teams at the 4A level that can push and, you know, ultimately win a championship on this 4A level. And part of, you know, their success was Blake Barnett. He had one passing touchdown as well as three rushing touchdowns. And they had another running back back there who ran for over 100 yards as well. So their running game was super strong. They went through this Longmont defense like Swiss cheese. And the Longmont offense was hapless without Keegan Patterson in the lineup. You also had Broomfield finally get their first win of the season in a 28-7 win against Monarch. It's not an impressive team to beat, but getting in the win column should and could be the beginning of something for this Broomfield team who has severely underwhelmed into this point. You know, they're 1-3 and three, and they're about to start heading into one of the toughest stretches of schedule in the entire, you know, Colorado high school football schedule. So, you know, they need to show up on defense like they did this week, force turnovers, and keep moving the ball on offense. Cola Crew, he hasn't really had a bad game yet this season, and this was no exception. He had 78% completion percentage with three total touchdowns, two in the air and one on the ground, and both of his touchdown passes going to senior receiver Josh Dunn, who is definitely on our radar as being one of the top senior wide receivers in the state of Colorado. Then you also had... A game that we originally scheduled, and I'm glad that we went to a different game other than this. You know, Palmer Ridge faced off against Pueblo West in the preseason. We really like Pueblo West to compete at the 4A level and potentially, you know, head into the playoffs at like an 8-2 and two record. That is probably not going to happen after dropping this one really bad to Palmer Ridge. 41-14, to 14, you had one of the best athletes in the state in Anthony Costanzo collecting three interceptions and a receiving touchdown for Palmer Ridge. You also had the quarterback for Palmer Ridge, Derek Hester, throw as many incompletions as he did touchdowns, going 16 for 20 for 299 yards and four touchdowns. And each of his touchdown passes actually going to a different receiver. So once again, you know that versatility on this Palmer Ridge offense makes them super dangerous. Connor Cook got it done in the backfield with two rushing touchdowns, as well as junior running back, Mr. Robinson, who had 21 carries for 100 yards, or should I say Gator Robinson, who had 21 carries for 100 yards. So they were able to beat Pueblo West basically any way they wanted. Their defense forced three interceptions, obviously, and Anthony Costanzo getting all three of those and putting his name in the hat for Player of the Week, even though it's not against a very impressive opponent in Pueblo West. Lastly, we have a couple of quick scores here. You know, Ponderosa beat Stanley Lake 50-20 to after, you know, stumbling to legend to start the season. Ponderosa has shaped up and won three in a row. And after Stanley Lake's really red-hot start to the season, they have faltered as of late. And then, you know, after we left the Columbine game at Jeffco Stadium, 
Columbine showed up, or the Dakota Ridge game at Jeffco Stadium, excuse me, Columbine showed up and committed their own massacre of sorts, beating Highlands Ranch 49-21. And this wasn't even really a Seth Cromwell kind of game. This was an everybody kind of game. This is a very solid team win against Highlands Ranch. Lastly, the some of the closer games here, you know, you had Loveland and Windsor in a very close matchup with Loveland winning 14 to 7 and you know, it came down to who was tougher and who could last longer and that was the Loveland team in this instance. Garrett Harstead ran 19 times for 122 yards in a score and Drew Foley added on another 23 touches for 118 yards and the other touchdown for Loveland. So overall they ran for 230 yards even between their two lead backs as well as the two scores and this is a very solid win for Loveland and you know a very tough loss for Windsor but these are both teams that we will see in November I almost have no doubt about it then oh almost forgot Pueblo East beat Cheyenne Mountain in an upset win putting Cheyenne Mountain to three and one and Pueblo East to two and two on the season with a 27 to 10 victory but the game that we went to and the game that y'all didn't know that you were waiting for was Douglas County High School versus Castleview High School. And this was a battle for the rock. You know, Douglas County High School has not beaten Castleview in six years in this crosstown rivalry game. Castleview def trying to defend their crown. Uh, Douglas County obviously being a 4A school and Castleview being a 5A school. This stadium was rocking it was packed it was an amazing environment we actually couldn't get into this game so that's why some of our camera angles seemed interesting on our story if you were paying attention to us on instagram or twitter but anyways you know this was a very back and forth game and a very defensive game i would say both teams were very impressive on the defensive side of the ball i wasn't necessarily expecting it out of douglas county more than anything but ultimately, the difference between these two teams was number 16. And if you don't know, that is A.J. Jackson, the quarterback for Douglas County High School. And, you know, he balled out in this game. He had 175 passing yards and 79 yards on the ground. He consistently was moving the chains and showing his field awareness. He was able to evade defenders with relative ease. He looked really good on his feet, but most importantly, I think that something that Simon and I were looking for is how does his passing look? Because if you look at his box scores, a lot of it is on the ground, rushing success and whatnot. And so we were definitely curious on if he could get it done through the air. And the answer is more than yes, you know, against a secondary that has Blake Haggerty in tow, you know, AJ showed great velocity on one of his throwing touchdowns where he zipped it in just on the left side of the field in, you know, basically a cover one look. And so his ball beat out the safety to get there. The safety tried to bait AJ, but it didn't work when AJ was able to make the throw like that and really put some mustard on it to put this Douglas County School up even more. His other pass showed the exact opposite to us, and that was arm power and touch on an absolute moon ball deep earlier in the game once again to the same receiver and we'll make sure to give him his props here in just a moment but you know aj jackson showing the velocity the touch 
the power as well as you know keeping his eyes consistently downfield as he scrambled you know there is a couple of times where he stepped up in the pocket and he's running around buying time and you know some defenders would step up and bang he'd hit this curl over on the left side or bang he'd hit this crossing route that's moving with him so overall just a phenomenal game from aj jackson and i believe douglas county's best chance to have won this game in six years came because of how talented aj jackson is he is a three-star prospect and should be getting looks from some of the higher schools and put his name on our radar for the top senior quarterbacks of this upcoming class but you know he couldn't have done it without also chase nelson who is a receiver there at douglas county high school his stat line was eye-popping as he had six receptions for 124 yards and two touchdowns as well as an interception not to mention the you know explosiveness and the timidness that he imposed on the Castleview special teams anytime he was returning a punt or a kickoff he is a dynamic athlete and somebody that you should definitely get your eyes on if you haven't already he is going to be overlooked because of his size. I believe he's only like 5'7 or 5'8. However, that should not scare you away from recruiting this guy. He is electrifying. His feet, his footwork is phenomenal. And, you know, he's super shifty as well as just has top end speed. He can take the top off of any defense. And he probably should have had another interception in this game. And speaking of that, I am going to take this time to call out Castleview. You know, Douglas County did win this, but Castleview also lost this, which is an obvious statement, but think about it and you know what I mean. When you look at the Castleview quarterback, he was so inefficient on the run this game and Castleview kept having him try and throw on the run and it just was not working, but they continued to come back at it. He was wildly inaccurate. He was making bad decisions, throwing into traffic and ultimately just wasn't making a lot of plays. So, you know, shout out to that Douglas County defense for absolutely shutting down Nathan Schmidt, who I believe had two turnovers in the game, fumbling it once and throwing an interception and with just an abysmal 7 for 17 stat line. The only person who was kind of working this game was Mark Westbecker. He's number 14. I talked about him before in their win against Fairview. He had 10 carries for 61 yards, but ultimately, obviously, no touchdowns nobody could do anything Blake Haggerty was obviously focused on by this Douglas County defense who had you know players on all three levels and especially depth at cornerback I might also mention that AJ Jackson also is the starting cornerback for this Douglas County team and locked down whoever his receiver was basically on every single play and I don't think he got targeted at more than once or twice allowing like a reception on a curl route so you know, this was a very long game for this Castleview offense. And, you know, they had a couple of chances. There was a trick play in the red zone that was dropped. And, you know, if they score that touchdown and they make it a one score game, this game might be very different because momentum was everything. And Castleview was playing with basically a punctured lung of momentum this entire game. And that's just not going to win you any football games, especially in crosstown rivalries. And so, you know, AJ Jackson with the way that he played on both sides of the ball and in such a monumental game he is also a player to look out for in our 4A player of the week we will see how these teams you know continue on with their season Douglas County 
was 3-0. They were both 3-0 heading into this game. So this was going to be a must-see game no matter what. And Douglas County left 4-0 and left Castleview 3-1 as they both proceed on with the rest of their seasons. And as we will proceed on with the rest of this episode, that was all that there was for 4A football. We will be talking about 5A football coming up right now. And so on the 5A level, there was definitely some surprises this week. You know, you had a Lakewood team beat a Chaparral 27-23, even behind Chaparral, one of our best offensive players on the 5A level, their quarterback, Kylan Wilson, having a pretty solid game, contributing over 300 yards of total offense, as well as all three of Chaparral's touchdowns. You know, that still wasn't enough to beat this Lakewood team, who put up 27 in this 27-23 win. And a huge part of that was Connor Ladd, the senior running back for Lakewood. He had 28 carries for 182 yards and three of the four touchdowns. He also had Max Shadler, their quarterback, add on a rushing touchdown despite not throwing for one. So their rushing game there, they imposed their will on this Chaparral offense. And ultimately, it came down to who is going to do more, the entire Lakewood offense or, you know, Kylan Wilson, and it was Kylan Wilson um, not being able to pull that out in this very close game. That is a very tough loss for this Wolverines team here and a very big win for this Lakewood team who improves to 3-1 and one on the season. And, you know, they have a very big game coming up against 4A Palmer Ridge. So we'll see just how legit they are. And Chaparral, unfortunately, drops to two and two on the season in their quest to you know try and make the playoffs and get kylan wilson some looks for sure but despite that that was one thursday game the other thursday game that was pretty close was fossil ridge versus eagle crest eagle crest had three different people score a rushing touchdown including diego cerns the junior running back who had 245 yards in a score on 29 carries and they lost thanks to Fossil Ridge's quarterback, Tyler Kubat, who had 43 passing attempts for 227 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. And in this game, you know, Fossil Ridge, they were just a nightmare in the backfield. Nathan Hallmark had four sacks and has nine on the year through only four games. So, you know, neither of these teams are looking like contenders, and that's kind of why this game ended up being such a good game. I think that they're very equally matched skill-wise this year as far as, you know, what they bring to the table. And so, you know, Eagle Crest is, you know, kind of on a very bad limb right now, being 1-3, and three, and they head into league play in two weeks against Arapaho High School. And they have Mullen this week, who's not exactly a pushover team. So, Eagle Crest... Ooh, they're kind of in do or die mode right now if they want to compete and try and make a stab at the playoffs. And this was actually Fossil Ridge's first win of the year. And they will see what they can do against a 3-1 and Arvada West team before heading into league play against definitely some more manageable teams, I would say. But that did it for the Thursday games. Let's check out the Friday games, starting off with a, an upset, actually, and a contender for one of our players of the week in Dylan Wigglesworth leading Denver East over Rock Canyon in a 42 to 27 win with Wigglesworth going 14 of 24 for 247 yards and three touchdowns. 
and senior wide receiver Berto Zapita, who had five catches for 144 of those yards and two of those touchdowns. Rock Canyon, who, you know, still can't figure it out at the quarterback position, was left scratching their head in this game. You know, they had two interceptions from Cole Dreyfus, and their quarterbacks combined to go three of eight. Three of eight on the 5A level. So that was unacceptable and ultimately, you know, just was not enough for this Rock Canyon team to overcome. Despite a good performance out of Aiden Duda, the junior running back, he had 21 carries for 155 yards and two scores. And they also had a senior back, Crow Bernie, who had 12 carries for 100 yards. So, you know, they had over 300 yards of rushing, but when your quarterbacks consistently turn the ball over like that, there's just not a whole lot you can do, as well as Crow also fumbling and losing. So shout out to this Denver East defense for forcing three turnovers on this game. You know, uh, Berto actually recovered and caused one fumble. So he had a heck of a game, as well as an interception in this lightning performance for Denver East here. So shout out to uh, Coach Stan over there at Denver East as well for getting these boys coached up and... Uh, you know, getting them their first win of the season. Talking about uh, another surprising game here, Arapahoe versus Thunder Ridge. You know, in the last recap, Mason and I talked about how Arapahoe looked against Mountain Vista and we weren't impressed. They rewrote that narrative against this Thunder Ridge team, winning 38-14, to absolutely thrashing Thunder Ridge. And the story of this game was, once again, Arapaho's defensive line. They were in Seth Frazier's face all night, and the secondary looked significantly improved against Thunder Ridge. Seth Frazier was throwing off of his back foot constantly, which led to, you know, an interception, as well as just being under constant pressure. And overall, a kind of a bad game from Seth Frazier, who completed under 50% of his passes. Jared Ramos was bull rushing whoever was in front of him straight into the backfield. The interior defensive line was getting a push every single time into the backfield. And Jackson Adams and his speed was just unstoppable. As you know, Jared Ramos and Jackson Adams reminded everyone in the state that they're probably the best pass rushing tandem in the entire Colorado football, you know, in all of Colorado high school football. And Jackson Adams, you know, he had a phenomenal game. He was using spin moves and speed moves and hand swatting moves. And Jared Ramos also showed a huge range of moves. You know, granted, the bull rush would work every time, but he had some swats and he had some spins as well. And they were just a nightmare for this Thunder Ridge team. And, you know, that's definitely a concern for them heading forward into this, you know, potential postseason as well as league play. They are going to have to do a better job protecting Seth Frazier. He was rattled in this game, and it got worse and worse as the game went on, never setting his feet even when he had time and throwing off of his back foot. He still had some nice completions and two touchdowns, so overall still had a decently solid game, but was no match for this Arapaho defensive line. And so Arapaho bounces back after losing to Vista to improve to 3-1 and one and you know restore some of my confidence in them. And Thunder Ridge drops their first game of the season to also be 3-1. and one. 
You know, so I had Cherry Creek versus Arvada West. This was Arvada's first loss of the year, and this was a bounce-back win for Cherry Creek, who just lost to Chandler last week. And is, and is looking to remind everyone in Colorado who the defending champions are, and they're still our favorite as they drop Arvada, Arvada Vest. Arvada Vest, 3-2-1. Then you also had, in other 5A news, Legend beat up on Mountain Vista 34-7. The headline of this, obviously, Bryce Vaz putting his name in the hat for Player of the Week with 23 carries for 237 yards and three touchdowns to no one's surprise. And, you know, putting an even bigger question mark on what exactly Arapaho is doing to lose to this Vista team. But anyways, another 5A news, Fairview, to no one's surprise, beat Prairie View 41-0. Beckham Kritza putting up his best stat line of the entire season, going 21 for 31 for 355 yards and five touchdowns with Ben Anderson on the receiving end of two of those, Ben Hawley on the receiving end of another two of those, and Zach Lewis on one. Not to be left out of the action, Grant Page racked in seven catches for, I believe it was like 78 yards. And then last but not least, Valor beat Mullen 42-7 on this Friday. And Regis Jesuit also captured a victory so this was definitely a bit of a shorter 5a segment we didn't go to any 5 games this week that should change i believe that i'm going to make it out to the fairview and chaparral game this thursday as well as mason austin will be at a big time valor versus columbine game this friday night so stay tuned and look out for Mason Austin there. And if you are in the Greeley area, Simon Villianos and I will be watching the Greeley West versus Greeley Central game this Friday night. So stay tuned for some more previews and some games to look out for this week, as well as Players of the Week. Coming up next. Hello all and welcome back to the very last segment of this week for recap where I'm going to talk about my picks for the Colorado High School Football Players of the Week. So starting on the 1A level, I hinted at this earlier, my pick is going to be out of Yuma High School, Yahir Trejo. He had a great game on offense and defense going 27 carries for 130 yards, two scores, adding on another eight tackles and two for loss in this very close one touchdown game to beat Highland High School and help Yuma improve to two and one on the season. Moving to the 2A level, there is definitely a lot of options here out of Bayfield, out of Eaton, and out of TCA. However, I am going to give it to the Basalt Boy in Sam Sherry. You know, he had over 100 yards from scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball as well as a rushing touchdown and on the de defensive side of the ball he had 14 tackles including one for loss and that was monumental in this Glenwood Springs game where they ultimately had to abandon the run especially here in the fourth quarter so Sam Sherry's performance was monumental to sealing this win you know, shout out to his teammate, Cade Schneider, as well, who had a great game running and passing the ball for four touchdowns. But I think Sam Sherry ultimately just contributed a little bit more on both sides of the ball, being an absolute stud at linebacker and also just being a great, versatile offensive weapon to help Basalt be 
beat this 3A team and pull out very strong in the end. The box, you know, this final score doesn't reflect how close of a game this was and huge part to Sam Sherry. On the 3A level, you know, there are definitely some honorable mentions here. You had Isaac Cisneros, Josiah Garcia. You had basically any player on Meade and Roosevelt who scored a ton of touchdowns. However, I am going to give it to the flawless performance of Briggs Wheatley here on the 3A level after, you know, Conifer's not a bad team, but man, he was so lights out. He averaged almost 20 yards per attempt going 12 for 12 for a perfect 100% completion percentage. It's just unheard of on this level of football. He also led the team in rushing with seven carries for 61 yards and four touchdown runs. He's a dynamic athlete and a dynamic passer who completed the pat completed a pass to five different receivers with the shortest, you know, with the least amount of yards being 16 yards. So, you know, he was able to stretch the field with both his arm and legs and overall just help lead this team to a very dominant win. There's definitely some other great performances. You had Oscar Ramirez, the sophomore, who had six tackles, including one for loss. You had Frank Ortega, who had two interceptions, including a pick six. However, I'm going to give it to the one of the top players in all of 3A and a very strong candidate for 3A MVP and the senior quarterback, Briggs Wheatley, to win my 3A Player of the Week. On the 4A level, there was a lot of stats thrown around, you know, between Noah Triplett, Braden Dorman. You had a very close game in Loveland where either of these running backs could definitely put up a strong case. Blake Barnett out in Erie High School, Cole LaCrue with a dang near perfect game. Josh Dunn, you know, and you also had a very solid Chatfield team roll 28-7 over Fruit of Monument. However, my narrative is very important in deciding who player of the week is and aj jackson helps douglas county break this six-year curse of losing to castleview and not running the rock so i'm going to give my player of the week to aj jackson who had two passing touchdowns and over 250 total yards of offense and also playing a great game at the corner position and, you know, he's also their punter, in case you didn't know. There's kind of almost never any time where A.J. Jackson is off the field for this Douglas County team. And he played through cramps and he play played through sprains to lead to a very tough football win for this Douglas County high school team. On the 5A level, I could talk about a Gavin Sawchuk. I could talk about a Bryce Vaz here. I could talk about a Jared Ramos or Jackson Adams here. However, I am going to hop over to Denver East where, you know, while Dylan Wigglesworth had a heck of a game, I'm going to give it to Berto Zapita here who got it done on both sides of the ball. As far as catching, he had five receptions for 144 yards and two touchdowns, both obviously, you know, two of the three passing touchdowns that Wigglesworth had. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, he had an interception for 24 yards and he also caused and recovered a fumble recovery so he had an absolute monster game on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball and therefore is my 5a player of the week helping denver east finally get into the win column so if you missed it the 1a player of the week was yahir trejo 
The 2A Player of the Week was Sam Sherry out of Basalt High School. The 3A Player of the Week was Briggs Wheatley. The 4A Player of the Week was AJ Jackson. And the 5A Player of the Week was the athlete Berto Zapita. So huge shout out to those players and athletes. Congratulations on being Playmakers Corner Athletes of the Week and Players of the Week on the 1 through 5A level for Week 4. Now I'm going to slightly transition into Week 5 here and talk preview. On Thursday night, there's definitely some intriguing games. I know Thunder Ridge is going to try and get back into the win column against Pooter as they are 3-1 and and Pooter is 2-2. Two two. That's going to be at 6 o'clock on Thursday night. And then you also have Conifer versus Palisade. Both these teams are 2-2 two and two and desperately looking to get back into the win column. You have Thomas Jefferson versus Pueblo South. Both these teams with two losses and Thomas Jefferson with two wins. You have 3-1 Vista Peak Prep versus 3-1 Ponderosa, who, as I mentioned earlier, has not lost a game since losing to Legend in the opener. <clears throat> I believe I also mentioned this a little bit earlier. Chaparral versus Fairview. I should be at that game in Boulder. That is going to be at 7 o'clock at Boulder High School Stadium. And then this one could be interesting. It's Silver Creek versus Longmont High School. We're still not sure on what the health status is of Keegan Patterson, and that will be a huge determining factor on who wins this game and if it's even a competitive game, I might add on. On Friday, you have undefeated Moffat County going against Kennedy High School, who is 2-2 two two right now and, you know, trying to compete for that title. Also on Friday at 4 o'clock, you have Wiggins versus Flatirons Academy. These are both undefeated schools. Wiggins has Cole Kerr, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the entire state of Colorado. He's been tearing it up, and we will make sure to do a film breakdown on him at some point. But Wiggins is currently ranked number 5 on the 1A level, and Flatirons Academy is ranked 14. So this is a battle of two top 15 teams here. At 4 o'clock, this one is actually in Westminster, for Flatirons Academy, who has home field advantage. Then you also have an interesting matchup between Lamar and Holyoke. Holyoke coming off their first loss of the season, and Lamar being the state runner-ups last year. Lamar is trying to keep their season alive this week, while the Sprague brothers try and bring Holyoke back into the win column. I also want to shout out the Manitou Springs versus Alamosa game. Alamosa has been kind of on a roll since their week one loss. And Manitou is coming off their first win of the season and have a new quarterback. So that is certainly a game to look out for on Friday. You also have Pomona and Smoky Hill. Smoky Hill being the home team. Both these teams are 2-2 two and two right now. Pomona has just started rolling while Smoky Hill has started to free fall a little bit. So that is a game to look out for on which team can stop their skid or continue their roll, basically. In other news, you have Cherry Creek versus Regis Gisuet. These are both 3-1 teams and, you know, a big battle here for seeding later in the season. You also have Bear Creek traveling to Windsor. They are 3-1 and, and Windsor is 2-2 two two, looking to get back into the win column. You also have a Palmer Ridge versus Lakewood game at 7 o'clock this one, or Palmer Ridge versus Lakewood game, I should say. This one will be at Jeffco Stadium, I believe. Lakewood being 3-1 with their only loss to Bear Creek and Palmer Ridge currently being undefeated. You have Rock Canyon's homecoming game against Arapahoe High School. Arapahoe, you know, with a major bounce back win against Thunder Ridge, they will look to spoil Rock Canyon's homecoming. 
You also have Erie versus Skyline. Erie being undefeated and Skyline coming off of a major win against Silver Creek at 3-1. This will be at 7 o'clock in Longmont, I should say. And, you know, this should be a very, this will be Erie's first real tests, in my opinion. Then you have Chatfield and Pine Creek here. And they are both currently undefeated. This will be a 7 o'clock game. And we'll see exactly how this Chatfield offense looks against this Pine Creek defense. Will probably be the biggest talk of the night. In a couple of other games, you have a Fort Morgan hosting Discovery Canyon. This is probably going to be one of their closer games of the year. Durango is facing Piedra Vista as they are trying to snap their two-game losing streak. Loveland will face Broomfield. Broomfield in a must-win situation once again as they are trying to scrape by week by week and Loveland coming off of a major win against their bit of a rival Windsor last week in a very struggle tooth and nail game. We'll see if the Broomfield offense can get it going. And our game of the week will be Columbine at Valor Christian. You know, in this game, we will have Mason Austin down to represent. This will be at 7 o'clock. Both of these teams are undefeated. Both these teams boast some of the best running backs as well as defenses in the entire league. And this will have a very big indication on how the playoffs will look at the 5A level. So make sure to look out for Mason Austin at that game. Personally, Simon and I, as we mentioned earlier, will be at the Greeley Central versus Greeley West game, checking out some kids that we formerly coached and see which one of these teams will you know, finally get into the win column. That's There's a lot to look for on Friday, so make sure to stay tuned for a lot of those games. On Saturday, you have a pretty legitimate test for this Buena Vista team who is hosting Meeker, who is 2-1 after losing the opener to Lyman. Buena Vista, as we mentioned earlier, is undefeated, but this is probably one of their more competitive games. Then you have Falcon versus Mesa Ridge. Both these teams are at 2-2 two two right now. You also, as I mentioned in the very like first or second segment, Centauri will face off against Bayfield. This is a 1A versus 2A matchup and you know is really going to test the grit of this Bayfield team facing off against Mason Clonch over there at Centauri. But those are all of our games to look at for this week five coming up. And that will do it for our week four recap as well. Thank you so much for rocking with us. And stay tuned for a program spotlight on Friday, as well as our live texts, or I guess our live tweets on Twitter, which follow us at Playmaker Corner to check out games around the state. And follow us on Instagram at Playmakers Corner. We're also on Facebook as Playmakers Corner and on TikTok as Playmakers Corner. For more high school, Colorado high school football content every single week, subscribe to us so that you can check out our episodes as they come out whenever we summarize each and every week. I have been your host, Cody Stoffer, for this episode. Thank you so much for rocking with us, and peace.